privilege uh, to be in the house of the Lord, to be able to worship freely, study God's uh, word freely. Uh, I uh, just came back a couple weeks ago from the nation of Guatemala, and uh, we saw uh, God moving there in a mighty way uh, through his people there, which we're excited to partner with uh, in the coming years. But one of the things I noticed is that um, those believers over there, uh, they, they do a lot with a little. They do a lot for the kingdom of God with a little. Some of their churches have no roofs on them. Some of their churches have no walls around. They may have a roof, but they don't have no walls around it. Some of the churches have dirt floors. Uh, but you know what? The spirit of the living God is there and moving. And so we are grateful and blessed. We don't take it for granted that God has given us a beautiful building on 2.3 acres of land. And we got ample parking space. We have a blessed worship team. How many are blessed by the worship team? We got electronics, right? And so we, we are grateful to the Lord, and uh, may we never, ever uh, take it for granted. Uh, let the church say amen. We are passing out today some Easter flyers for our resurrection celebration. Uh, we want to prepare your hearts as we prepare uh, to, to meet resurrection weekend. Uh, we're going to go through Good Friday. We will have a Good Friday uh, service here uh, where we'll take the Lord's Supper together and I want to invite you to uh, come out and then we will have special uh, 6 a.m. our annual Easter sunrise service in the parking lot. It's going to be in the parking lot and it's a unity service where all our campuses come together on the parking lot at 6 a.m. and we take the Lord's Supper together and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's going to be very special time together. And then we'll have our normal times of worship throughout the day with giant uh, Easter egg hunt and fun things for the kids. So do me a favor. Uh, give this to a family or friend and invite them to church. Let me give you a quick testimony. Um, I just heard from one of our brothers that go to our church. The Lord has been dealing with him about reaching his family and his friends and inviting them to church. And he said about a month ago, he felt convicted because he was serving in operations and he started to see his family come. Like he was like, man, I think that's my cousin. And it was his cousin that came up and said, hey, cuz, how you doing? And then uh, another week after that, he said, man, I think that's my childhood friend. And it's, sure enough, it was his childhood friend. And he, he testified that he was feeling a little convicted because he hasn't been inviting nobody to church, but apparently God is already bringing people to church. And if only he would have asked them to come, he would have probably got credit in heaven. You never know. So many people are just ready to come, and all they need is an invite. All they need is an invite. And we've met so many people that um, have come to Chapel of Change and never left because they got arrested by the power of God. They got arrested by the power of God. So let's invite people to Easter Sunday and come out to the sunrise service as well as our Good Friday uh, service. Someone shout amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 18. Luke uh, chapter 
18, verses 18, Luke chapter 18, verses 18, and when everybody's there, say amen. As you guys know, we've been studying from this encounter for the last several months, and let's read Luke's uh, version of this account. Uh, this account with Jesus' uh, encounter with this rich young ruler is so definitive that all three of the Gospels record it. Matthew records it, Mark records it, and now we're going to see that Luke records it. And we've learned that whenever God repeats himself in the Bible, it is for a purpose so that we can get the point. Someone say, get the point. So Luke chapter 18, verses 18, reads like this. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. God is good all the time. All right, verse 20. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And all these things I have kept since I was a boy, he said. Verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Someone say treasure in heaven. You will have treasure in heaven, then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Let the church say amen. We've been studying Jesus' encounter with this young adult for about two months now. And we've learned uh, what the spirit of religion is. We've dissect what, it, what the spirit of religion is. We've learned that this guy was not possessed with a spirit of alcoholism or addiction, but he was possessed with the spirit of religion. Uh, how else can you walk away from Jesus sad? He's the only one in the Bible who received a personal call from Jesus and yet still walked away from Jesus sad. It had to be a spirit of religion where he, he worked for God, but he didn't worship God. He, his, his connection to God was weak. He had a form of, of, of religion or he had a form of, of relationship with God, but the power of God was not, was not transmitted to his life. We also learned what it means to pick up your cross. We learned... Uh, that Jesus told this young man, he said, pick up your cross and follow me. And we studied what it means to pick up your cross. We also learned that Jesus always demands more than what we think. Jesus, when he calls you, he always demands more than what you think. And I would dare say that the Lord is requiring more from all of us here today. And I shared and we taught uh, that one way that you know you're spiritually growing, no matter how long you've been saved, is that every now and then you wake up with that nagging sense that Jesus wants more from you. 
We learned that, that that's one way you know that you're spiritual, spiritually growing. And it doesn't matter how, how long you've been saved. You could have been saved since 1939, uh, but you will still wake up every now and then with this sense that Jesus wants more from you. He wants you to pray more. He wants you to study more. He wants you to sacrifice more. He wants you to give more. He wants you to serve more. He wants you to live holy more. He wants you to live more focused more. Jesus always wants more from you. We also learned that Jesus gives us more than we could imagine. Even though he requires more than we think, there is a blessing in our sacrifice. We learned when you go back to Mark's account of this encounter that Jesus turned around to the disciples and said, anyone who gives up father, mother, home, and possessions for me will receive 10 times as much in this lifetime and in the next life, eternal life. That there is a blessing when we sacrifice for the Lord. That he says uh, that the Bible teaches that Jesus always gives us more than we could imagine. We just got to let go. Let go and let God. This weekend, today specifically, we're going to end uh, this study series uh, from the subject treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven. Someone say treasure in heaven. Uh, as, we, as we study and kind of conclude our, our study today, we're going to learn principles uh, to help us uh, live for God with our possessions, live for God with our money, and to live with God with all the things that he has blessed us with. Today, uh, I want us to learn principles to help us have or live with a generous mindset. Now, this subject is huge to Jesus uh, because our hearts, our hearts hugely are linked to our money and linked to our possessions. And it's interesting, when you study Jesus' teachings in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he spends more time teaching on money and possessions than he does on heaven or hell. He gives them a lot amount of time to teach us how to be good stewards of what God has given us, to teach us not to be uh, greedy and to teach us to live generous lifestyles. In fact, here in verse 22, Jesus gives him a radical statement. He says, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Someone say treasure in heaven. Now, we learned that this statement is not a universal call for every Christian to sell all their possessions and uh, uh, to live a life of poverty. That's not the point of this statement. But what this is, uh, this verse, is actually a personal strategic incision uh, by a master surgeon trying to cut away the cancer of idolatry and greed uh, in this young man who he loved. Did you catch that? Because I spent a long time writing that up. This call, when he says sell everything you have, is not a universal call for every Christian to live a life of poverty. No. But remember in Mark chapter 10, it says that Jesus looked at this young man and loved him. Remember that? 
He looked at him and loved him. When he looked at him, he, he, he looked at him with a spiritual x-ray eyes, and he saw something in that young man's heart that was killing him. He saw something in that young man's heart that was holding him back. And I love this about Jesus, that he knows us, yet he still loves us. He knows us, yet he still loves us enough to call us back. He loves us enough to give us another chance. He loves us enough to give us a fifth and a sixth chance. Hello, somebody. So when Jesus tells this individual to sell all his goods and give to the poor, listen to what it is. This is a personal strategic incision by a master surgeon trying to cut away the cancer of idolatry and greed from a young man he loved. Now, your, his issue was idolatry and greed. Your issue might be something else that he's trying to cut away. That's why you cannot run from Jesus. You got to lay down on the operating table, i.e. the altar of God, and allow him to cut away that thing which is holding you back and causing you to die a slow spiritual death. Now, let's think about this for a second. Idolatry is putting anything or anyone before God. When you think about idolatry, it's, it's putting anyone or anything before God. Greed is the arrogant assumption that everything exists for one's own benefit. Idolatry is putting anything or anyone before God. And listen, God will not stand beside anyone or anything in our life. He will not do that. He is a jealous God. And greed is the arrogant assumption that everything exists from, for one's own benefit. This man received a personal call from Jesus himself. And Jesus wanted to do amazing things in and through this young man's life. He wanted to do amazing things in and through this young man's life. I actually believe that this young man had the opportunity through the call of Jesus to be the 13th apostle. But when Jesus x-rayed his heart, he identified idolatry and greed killing him. Are you following along? And greed, greed is a sneaky sin, too. Greed is a sneaky sin. No one ever thinks they're greedy. In all the counseling I've done, in all the years I've sat with people and they've shared with me their sin and sins, no one has ever confessed to being greedy. No one. You know why? Because none of us think we are. With sins such as idolatry or stealing, you know when you cross the line in those type of sins. But you don't, when you commit adultery or you commit stealing, you know when you cross the line. Like, you don't ever wake up and, and tell the person, uh, I didn't know you weren't my spouse. That don't ever happen. Because you know when you cross the line. But greed is so sneaky that this young man who encountered Jesus thought he was okay. And he wasn't. He thought he was okay. He said, Jesus, I've been knowing this since I was a little kid. I know the scriptures. I can quote to you John 3.16. And Jesus looked at him with x-ray eyes and, and, and said, no, there's one thing you still lack. One thing. So Jesus teaches him 
um, the importance of treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven. And this is not the only place where Jesus uses this language. Uh, in Mark, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vernon destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So he says this phrase about storing up treasure in heaven. He uses this phrase about treasure in heaven several times in the scripture. So I want us today as we conclude this series this morning, I want us to think about what does it mean to store up treasure in heaven? What does it mean to store up treasure in heaven? And how do we store up treasure in heaven? This is very important. Uh, it is very important because we see it. Jesus stressing this treasure in heaven to this young man who walks away from Jesus. So what does it mean to store up treasure in heaven? Let me start out by first saying this. Let me start off by saying what it does not mean. All right? Let me, let me start off by saying what it does not mean. Okay? So... The first thing I want us to notice or, or think about is that this does not mean Christians cannot uh, have money. Someone should have said amen to that. <laughs> this does not mean Christians cannot be wealthy. Someone should have said amen to that. There are many notable uh, wealthy Christians in the Bible and in history that have done great things for the kingdom of God. When you think about it, uh, Joseph of Arimathea in Matthew chapter 27 verse 57 it says as evening approached there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. When you think about this I think of Lydia in the book of Acts, who was a wealthy Christian businesswoman. And when you study her testimony, you'll learn that she started the first church in Europe in her home. The first church in Europe started in her home. Has anybody ever heard of uh, William Tyndale? William Tyndale? William Tyndale is one of the great Christians of history he actually had this vision and burden uh, to translate the Latin Bible into English. He's responsible for us having the English Bible because at one time the Bibles were all in Latin. And he had this vision to translate the Bible into English so that we could all have our own Bible. But the problem with that vision is that there were so many obstacles in the way that he could not do it himself. So this one Christian brother by the name of Humphrey Monmouth, who was a successful businessman, stood up and he financed uh, William Tyndale's mission to translate the Bible from Latin uh, into English. And because of this brother's wealth that he contributed to the kingdom of God, we now read the Bible in English today. So this, this does not mean that Christians cannot be wealthy. A, a, another thing is this does not mean you cannot save money for a rainy day. 
This does not mean you cannot save up money for a rainy day. And then lastly, this does not mean you cannot enjoy good things on earth. I would suggest to us as we look at the encounter of the rich young man and Jesus that the problem with the rich young influencer wasn't that he had possessions. The problem was the possessions possessed him. The problem was the possessions possessed him because when you go down to Mark chapter 10's account of it, Jesus said, whoever sacrificed for me is going to get tenfold back. So the, the issue wasn't the possessions itself. The issues was that he worshiped the possessions and he would not let them go when God gave him instructions to let them go. So the brother got put on timeout. So what does it mean to store up treasure in heaven? What does it mean to store up treasure in heaven? First off, um, we need to note that we all have a heavenly bank account. We all have a heavenly bank account. He says it right here in verse 22. He says, you will have treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven. Now, let's think about this for a second because this is fascinating to think about. That, that, there, that, that there, there is some form... Of heavenly bank account waiting for all believers in heaven there is some form of heavenly bank account awaiting for you and I in heaven there are rewards awaiting for us in heaven and Jesus is not the only one to reveal this Apostle Paul revealed this truth in Philippians chapter 4 verse 16 when he was writing to the Philippian church Paul told the Philippian church he said for even when I was in Thessalonica you sent, you sent me help for my needs more than once not that I seek the gift but I seek the profit that accumulates to get this your account your account. There goes that word again. Your account. So notice, Jesus points to a heavenly account. Apostle Paul points to a heavenly account. And, 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 and the encouragement is, the challenge for us this morning is, as you live your life on earth, don't lose sight of your heavenly account. As you live out your salvation on earth, do not lose sight of of your heavenly account because you do not want to show up to heaven and find out you have been overdrafted. Has that ever happened to anybody? That happened to me one time. It don't feel good. I had to pay $40 because I overdrafted. You know what overdrafted means? That means you try to take out uh, more than what's inside. So when I, when I think about this in the natural realm, right, or my personal kind of uh, testimony, uh, I have like three active accounts, uh, bank accounts. I have a, a, a spending account, I have a savings account, and I have a heavenly account, right? And two of my banking accounts are with the Bank of America, and, and one of my banking account is in heaven. I got two banking accounts with the Bank of America. This is not a commercial for Bank of America. I'm just trying to point a problem. And I got one in heaven. And if we could talk like family, at least two or three times a month, I'm up on my computer checking out my Bank of America account. At least two or three months, I'm, I'm checking, like, let's make sure my money is right. Am I the only one that does that? At least two or three times a month. And if I'm that concerned with my earthly account, right, and I call myself a Christian and I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ, I better be just as much or even more concerned with my heavenly account. I better not lose sight of my heavenly account. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? 
See, the reality is my Bank of America accounts can be broken into, but my heavenly account cannot. My Bank of America, believe that, can be broken into. I remember when I uh, first got out of prison, I was saving my money, and I was counting pennies, man. I was, I was saving money, and I saved, I saved like $700, right? And I would, I would go into my account, and I would, I would watch it increase, like from 625 to 630 to 650. And then when I got to 700, I felt so, I felt like I accomplished something, right? And I remember one day, I went back to my bank account, and to my surprise, there wasn't nothing there. There wasn't nothing there. I was shocked. Like, how in the world can somebody break into Bank of America? And so I did what every wise husband do. I went to my wife. I said, what happened? What's going on? I need some answers for this. And I learned that the IRS froze my account and took my money. And my heart was broken. How in the world can IRS break into my account? But praise God, I do have an account that cannot be broken into, and it is in heaven. It is in heaven. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19. Just listen to this. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves, hello somebody, do not break in and steal. So, so we have a heavenly bank account. But secondly, I want us to understand is that in heaven... We will benefit from our heavenly account. In heaven, we will benefit from our heavenly account. It's interesting. Let's think about this for a second. It's interesting that Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Listen to this. Keyword, yourself. Listen. He, he says, store up for yourselves Treasure in heaven. Keyword yourself. In other words, Jesus is looking out for us. He's looking out for us. Jesus is trying to help us in the future. In other words, Jesus sees something in the future that we need to be concerned about that we may not be thinking about today. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? And Apostle Paul, he even makes this emphasis too. In 1 Timothy 6, 19, he says, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation, get this, key phrase, for the coming age. For the coming age. So listen. So listen. Um, Jesus sees something in the future that we're not paying attention to, that he's trying to get our eyes on. And he's saying, listen, you got to, don't just think about the here and now. You got to think about eternity. You got to think about eternity. There, that we're, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna be there one day. Like every one of us that are under the blood of Jesus are gonna knock on heaven's door one day. And typically, when it comes to getting a return on an investment, uh, financial advisors will tell you, don't think about three years. Think about thirty years. They'll say, uh, don't think about like th what this investment will bring in three years. No, no, that's a, that's a wrong thinking. They'll tell you, think about what this investment will bring in 30 years. Jesus and Apostle Paul, they go further. 
And they say, don't think about 30 years. Think about 3 million years. Think about 3 million. What, would this, what, is, what is what you're doing today going to bring back in eternity? What is what you're doing today? Is, is what you're doing today going to make an impact in eternity? See, listen to this. Here, here it is. And this is a, this is a, a cold reality. That your, your, your trip to heaven is free. Paid by the blood of Jesus. Your trip to heaven is free, paid by the sacrifice of Jesus. Your, your trip to heaven is free, but how much you enjoy heaven appears to be affected by how much you deposited in your heavenly account on earth. Did you catch that revelation? Your trip to heaven is free. You don't do nothing to earn your trip to heaven. It's paid and bought for by the blood, the precious blood of the Lamb. But how much you enjoy heaven appears to be affected by how much you deposited in your heavenly account while you lived on earth. There will be rewards given out in heaven. There will be rewards given out in heaven. Listen, I'm ringing the bell right now. I'm ringing the bell. There will be rewards given out in heaven. And when you stand before God on judgment day and, and you get whatever you got, you better not come looking for me and getting mad at me and blaming me and telling God, well, I didn't know this. The pastor didn't say this. No, no, no. I'm going to play back the tape today. March something. I'm going to say, no, I told him. Not my fault. I try to lace them up. I try to get them ready, God. Not my fault. Here, here they are. Here they are. There will be rewards given out on judgment day. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one, get that, each one. In other words, you're not going to stand with your spouse. You're not going to stand with your mama. You're not going to stand with your kids. Each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil evil Jesus said in Revelation 21 verse 22 look I am coming soon my reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done ding 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 ringing the bell ringing the bell how do we store up treasure in heaven we store up treasure in heaven by doing good by doing good in first timothy chapter 6 verse 18 through 19 listen to what it says it says command them to do good to be rich in good deeds in this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age as a firm foundation for the coming age. Now, this is not just about being nice. It's not just about being nice. Christians should be more than just nice. Nice is elementary. This is about intentionally uh, and sacrificially contributing to the good of humanity. It's about intentionally and sacrificially contributing to the good of humanity. Did you catch that? That rhymes. It's about intentionally and sacrificially contributing to the good of humanity. The world should be a better place because you're around. 
The world should be a better place because Chapel of Change is here. Someone's life should be better because we, you and I live in this world and we follow Jesus. And we should be giving ourselves to doing good, sacrificially, intentionally. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God, get this, prepared in advance for us to do. Get that. Which God created in advance for us to do. You know what that means? That means God has already has the opportunities for you to do good. They're already here. They're already here. Like, you don't need a vision from God to figure out how to intentionally and sacrificially do good. All you got to do is look around. What are the opportunities that God has placed before me? Listen, if it's before you, it's for you. If it's before you, it is for you. If it's before you, it is for you. You don't need a vision from heaven to know how to do good with your life. God has already prepared it, already given you the opportunities. If it's before you, it is for you. So you say, well, what is it? Well, I could tell you right now, um, there are opportunities uh, to advance the gospel by doing good within the church. There's opportunities Right here before you, you could help in the children's ministry, right? And we have a growing need uh, because God is sending dozens and dozens of children to Chapel of Change to learn the gospel, to learn how to do good, to get saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, right? And you can do good right here. You don't need a vision from God. If it's before you, it is for you. By the way, we want to thank all our children's ministry volunteers that help out in the children's ministry. We have other opportunities to be a part of the operational team. The operational team. Here's Coach. He's out there in the operations, and he welcomes people, and he watches our cars. Hello, somebody. You could sign up to be on the operations team, or uh, you could sign up to be on the host team. The host team. The host team are the ushers and the greeters, and you can serve at least once a month, and uh, they are bringing fresh hope to everybody who comes to Chapel of Change. And listen, teamwork makes the dream work. You don't need a vision to find out what God wants you to do. If it's before you, it is for you. You could sign up today in the lobby. Get with them uh, to sign up and contribute to what God is doing. Remember, if it's before you, it is for you. Lastly, what does it mean to store up treasure in heaven? We store up treasure in heaven by generously giving. By generously giving. Back to Luke 18, verse 22. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. I want you to notice something. Jesus has given us insight that giving here on earth increases our treasure in heaven. I want you to notice that principle that he, that he gives, that giving here on earth increases our treasure in heaven. And it's not 
it's not any type of giving. It's not just any type of giving. It's sacrificial, radical, and generous giving. That's why he told this individual, he said, give everything you have to the poor. Now, I don't believe that's a universal call for everybody to give everything, but I do believe the principle behind that is to radically and sacrificially give unto the, what God is doing. That's the principle behind that, that Jesus always demands more than what you think, and we ought to be radical followers of Jesus Christ. We ought to be generous followers of Jesus Christ. God didn't just save you from any old thing. Some of y'all should have lost your mind a long time ago. Some of y'all shouldn't have no homes. You shouldn't even be driving a car to church today. But the Lord delivered you. The Lord helped you. And he radically came down from heaven and died for you. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Our Heavenly Father already modeled for us about generous and radical giving. Everybody knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world that what? What did he do out of his love? He gave. He gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. The father modeled generous, radical giving when he bankrupt heaven for you and I. So when he tells this young man to give up any, everything, uh, he's not telling him to do anything that he didn't do. He's not telling him to do anything. He will never, God will never tell you to do that. He's not unjust. He, he, he modeled that first when he sent the treasure from heaven, i.e. Jesus Christ, to come down to this dirty world and suffer and bleed and die for you and I. And now he says, listen, do what I do. If you do what I do, I'll give you the strength to do it. I will provide for you to do it. I'm going to do it from the start to finish anyways, but I want to find somebody to do it through. And he tried to find it through this young man. He wanted to do a, a special work through this young man. He, God is always looking for a, a, a man or a woman that, 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 that avails themselves. He's always looking for an individual who is willing. He's not looking for your resources per se. He's just looking for a willing heart. And he will provide everything you need. Someone shout amen. So we are called to be generous givers. And... Over and over in the, again in the Bible, God instructs us to be givers. He instructs us over and over. In fact, listen to this. The word love is used about 714 times in the Bible. The word believe is used about 270 times in the Bible. The word pray is used about 370 times in the Bible. But the word give is used over 2,000 times in the Bible. The word give is used over 2,000 times in the Bible. And, and giving here on earth affects our heavenly account. That's what Apostle Paul taught us in Philippians chapter 4 again. He told him, he said, it's not about me receiving the gift. It's about you increasing your account in heaven. That's what he tells him in Philippians 4, 16. It's not about me receiving what you have to give. Uh, it's about your heavenly account increasing by what you give. And Jesus turns around and reinforces this in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. He says, give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Notice that. Jesus says, hey, you want to be blessed? You want to be blessed? That's good. I want you blessed. God wants you blessed. Over and over in the scriptures, the scriptures teaches that God wants us blessed. But what's fascinating is that Jesus gives us the power to affect the level of our blessing. 
He gives us a say-so to the level of the blessing we will experience. He says, to the measure we use, it will be the measure given back to us. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? That our amount of giving affects what is given to us in heaven and on earth. And on earth. I remember I experienced the reality of this scripture uh, one day. I mean, I experienced this, the, the literal kind of, reality of this scripture and the Lord kind of blew me away. There was one time many years ago where we invited a guest speaker uh, to preach at the church. And at that time, uh, we didn't really, you know, uh, our finances were kind of challenged at that particular time. And I was wrestling with uh, how much to bless this guest speaker. I was really wrestling with him. And, and I started off with like a low number, uh, but then God began to wrestle with me about generosity. He began to wrestle with me about blessing his people. Uh, and then finally, after wrestling with God for a little bit, I said, you know what? We're just going to bless him uh, with a generous uh, gift. We're just going to be, we're going to be radically generous and we're going to bless him. So this, this speaker comes and he blesses us by preaching to us. And I remember I was in my office after the service and we were talking and, uh, we got ready to kind of call it, an, uh, uh, the end of the night. And as he's walking out the door, uh, we go to bless him with the check, the, the, the gift that we're going to give him. And, and what was fascinating was as soon as he grabbed the envelope, he said, no. He says, I don't, I don't want this. We're like, what do you mean you don't want this? He goes, no. I want to bless Pastor Brian with this so that he could take his wife out to wherever. And I was like, what? The immediate manifestation. I mean, that don't happen all the time, right? But when the verses of Scripture immediately kind of manifest in your life where Jesus says, for what measure you use, it will be measured to you that I had a say-so in the level of the blessing that I was going to experience, and I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. But how many of you know God's principles are true whether you recognize it or not? God's principles are true whether you recognize it or not. So if you have not, decided to to be a generous giver in your life yet i want to encourage you to take the tithe test i want to encourage you to take the tithe test i want to encourage you or challenge you if you have not decided to be a generous giver and maybe the lord is wrestling with you on on, on stepping up your generosity i want to challenge you to start tithing for 90 days to exercise that muscle to exercise that spiritual muscle now you some of you are new and you're probably thinking what is tithing well the bible teaches that tithing is giving back to god a uh, 10% of what he's given to us so god gives us everything how many believe that everything we have is from god how many believe that God gives us the power to prosper? So, so the Lord says, everything I give to you, I, I want you to invest at least 10% of that into my kingdom, into the advancement of the kingdom of God. And I want to encourage you, if you have not yet decided with your life to live a generous lifestyle, I want to challenge you to take the tithe test for 90 days and see what God does. I want you to exercise this muscle. There is a blessing in tithing uh, in heaven awaiting for us, but there's also a blessing in this life. There's also a blessing in this life. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, 
It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates. So one translation says the windows of heaven and pour out so much a blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God says if you choose to live a generous lifestyle that I will open up the floodgates or some translation says the windows of heaven. And I like to believe that there's windows over everything about our life. There's a window over our marriage. There's a window over our kids. There's a window over our businesses. There's a window over our jobs. There's a window over our relationships. And I like to believe that as we live a generous lifestyle, God begins to open those windows over our lives and he begins to pour down a blessing, whether it's over your marriage, whether it's over your kids. Maybe, maybe God is trying to stuff a blessing down into your life, but the window is shut. I want to encourage you to open that window today. I want to encourage you to open that window today so that God can pour down a blessing in your life. And we store up treasure in heaven because one day we're all going to get there and I don't want no overdrafts taking place. My brothers and sisters, as we conclude this study on the encounter of Jesus with the rich young ruler, one of the big takeaways is please don't walk away from Jesus over the things of this world. Please, be willing to give up the things of this world that you might receive your calling and your inheritance from God. He is not a fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I'm going to say that again and as, as I close. He or she is not a fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as the worship team comes up or the band comes up, while everybody remains seated in the presence of the Lord, this is our time where we reflect upon the word of the Lord and we think about what did God tell us? What did he say to us? What was God trying to get across? With every head bowed and every eye closed. every head bowed and every eye closed maybe you're here today and you're not right with God and you want to get right with God by confessing your sins and repenting from your sins the Bible teaches that if we confess our sins to God he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness 
Bible teaches that if we repent from our sins, God will take us back. Think about it for a moment. If you're here today and you feel the calling upon God on your life and you're ready to surrender everything, you're ready to go all in, and you're not going to be like this rich young ruler who walks away from Jesus sad, but on the contrary, you're going to press into Jesus. If that is you, God is calling you to publicly announce him as your king and savior. Think about it, because in a moment I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to God. there's anybody in the house today that needs to get right with God by repenting from your sins and surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to pray with you. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. If that is you, I'm going to ask that you respond to God by just standing up on your feet right now, wherever you're at. Just stand up on your feet, wherever you're at, if you want to get right with God. I see you. I see you. I see you. God is calling you. He is calling you. You're not going to walk away from Jesus. We're not going to let you walk away from Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit is not going to let you walk away from Jesus. But God is calling you into his purpose. He's calling you into his kingdom. He wants to use your life. He wants to heal you of your pain. He wants to change your story into his glory. For those of you who stood up, I want to lead you in a simple prayer of surrender. And then I'm going to just pray over you. If you're watching online, maybe you need to surrender to the Lord too. You can say this prayer with us and I would invite you to stand up wherever you're at. If you're sitting in the car, I invite you to put your hands up just as a sign of submission unto the Lord. For everybody who responded to God, say this prayer from your heart. Lord God, I am sorry. Please forgive me. I messed up. I have not been faithful to you, but today I confess my sins to you. Today I turn from my sins and I turn back to you. Today I commit to being all in. I surrender Jesus. Use my life use my possessions use my heart use my hands use my mouth use my feet lord i give you permission lord to use everything about me for your glory and your honor i surrender god help me 
to follow after you. Help me to pray. Help me to read my Bible. Help me to go to church faithfully. Help me to give generos generously. Help me to serve. I surrender in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everybody who stood up, Lord God. I thank you for their transparency and their boldness to stand up and say, Lord, I, I've been messing up, but I, I'm all in. I'm all in. I thank you for their courage to recommit to you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. I pray that you fill them freshly with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you put a burning desire in their heart, Lord God. I pray that you wake them up tomorrow with a song in their heart and on their lips, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that you give them a desire for your word, a desire for your church, and a desire to do good, and a desire to give. Father, I rebuke the spirit of discouragement right now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of shame, Lord. There is no shame for those that are in Christ Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of shame, Lord God, and insecurity right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, my brothers and sisters will serve you. They will serve you with power. They will serve you with power in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God is good all the time. My brother, come up here. I want to just, I want to reinforce something in your life. My brother, I want to reinforce something. I want to just reinforce what God is already telling you. But for some reason, he loves you enough to give you multiple confirmations. That the Lord has already put his hand upon you years ago, even before you even knew his hand was upon you. But that is the reason why you're alive today. That is the reason why you're still in your right mind today. That is the reason why you're not in prison today is because God's hand has always been upon you. And, and deeper than his hand, his mark is upon you. He has marked you to serve him. He has marked you to live for him. He has marked you to testify for him. He has marked you to sing to him. He's marked you to speak to him. He's marked you to give for him. He's marked you to serve him. His hand is upon you, but his mark is upon you. His mark. When I think about a mark, the opposite of it is in the Old Testament when that brother got kicked out of the presence of the Lord and God put a mark on him. That's the opposite of what God has done on you. He's put his mark of glory and mark of purpose and mark of anointing upon your life. And, and, and the challenging thing about God's mark, here's the challenging thing, is you will never, ever, ever again fit into this world. You will never, no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you try to lay down and sleep the rest of your life, there's always going to be an itching in your spirit, and, and, and there's always going to be something that goes wrong until you line up with God's will for your life. God brought you back to California to line you up. Line you up. I'm going to just pray specifically for you. As you go back home, you go back home with the fire of God. 
And the instructions from the Lord for you is tie up loose ends in your life. Whatever those loose ends is, God knows what they are. When you go back home, find a pastor that loves the Lord. You don't have to agree with them on everything. You just got to find somebody who loves the Lord and submit unto that brother and serve over there. You don't need a vision from God to find out how to do good. The opportunity is going to be before you. What's before you is for you. So I'm going to just pray for you. We're all going to pray for you. Let's lift up our hands toward our brother. If you could lift up your hand as a sign of surrender. Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord. And thank you that you brought our brother to the house of the Lord, Father God. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and they that run to it are safe, Father God. And Father God, I thank you that your mark has been upon this young man in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that you will not let him go. And I thank you, Father God, that no one, no thing, no devil can pluck him out of your hands, Lord God. And I thank you, Father God, that you're anointing him freshly, Lord God. You're clearing out the rubbish from his heart, clearing out the rubbish from his mind, Father God. You're giving him the things of the loose ends that he needs to tie up and give him the strength to do it, Father God, in Jesus' name, Father God. And Lord, we commit him to you. We commit him to your grace and your power and your purpose Lord God that he's going to go home with a fresh fire and a fresh desire for you Lord God in Jesus name no more drinking no more dabbling Lord God in the name of Jesus but he's going to be the father and the husband that and the man that God has called him to be in the mighty name of Jesus Father God and we lose fresh power over his life fresh purpose over his life Father God in Jesus name he will never ever be the same in Jesus mighty name we pray for our brother Lord in Jesus name and everyone says amen and amen God bless you come on somebody praise the Lord let's give the Lord a hand praise God is good all the time did you learn something this morning anybody learn something Praise God. Praise God. For everybody who surrendered your life to the Lord uh, today, I want to encourage you to take your next step. Your next step. Serving the Lord is always about steps. Uh, and if you do not have a church home, uh, I would encourage you to come back. Your next step is to come back. Your next step is to read your Bible. Your next step is to pray. Uh, so uh, don't let this be, this is not the end. This is just the beginning of your journey of restoration and power and anointing. So I encourage all those who surrender to their lives to the Lord today to take your next step. Come back to Bible study Thursday night. We have worship and prayer in the house of the Lord. You got to learn how to pray. You got to learn how to worship. And we want to help you uh, do that. So let's give the Lord a hand. Praise for all those who surrendered to the Lord. We are going to uh, prepare to give our tithes and our offerings unto the Lord. We're going to prepare to give a generous offering unto the Lord. If this is your first time here, uh, please do not feel like you need to give. We need to. We want to bless you, all first-time guests. Before you leave, we have a gift for you in the lobby. Uh, but if you're part of Chapel of Change or you just want to give back to the Lord because uh, God has been good to you, uh, I want to encourage you to give your best gift unto the Lord. Uh, today, I'm going to call up. 
up the ushers as we prepare to give. And uh, there are several ways that you can give today. You can give through an envelope uh, where it's on the back of the seats. And then uh, after I dismiss the ushers, you can put it in the bucket. You can give after service with a debit card in the lobby. There's a table there. We have a, a machine that you can give through your debit card or you can give online. If you're watching online, you can give at chaplachange.org, chaplachange.org. Hit the giving button. Follow the easy instructions. Uh, if you're watching online and then this church has blessed you in any way, we encourage you to sow back into the kingdom of God. Give back to God through your giving today. There's also a way you can give through your phone. Uh, there's a phone number on our webpage that you uh, text the word chapel to and you can give through your phone. Um, before I dis, uh, dismiss the ushers to collect the offering, uh, we got a couple announcements to make. Again, we passing out some flyers so you can hand to your family and friends. Before you leave today, if you need a couple of them, go to the lobby and they have more up there. Some of y'all got a lot of family. You could just you could take 10, 15 of them. And so if you want to give to your neighbor, you can put it on a door hanger or, or on the door. Uh, be a good neighbor and give somebody an invite. I also want to remind you about Good Friday service, April 15th. We're going to take communion together. And then our 6 a.m. Uh, sunrise service in the parking lot. With, it's a unity service with all our campuses on Easter Sunday. I also uh, want to encourage you Thursday night. Uh, is our prayer and worship night this uh, Thursday, 7:15? We have youth ministry, we have children's ministry, so uh, you can be a part of that as well. If you have not don't uh, downloaded our phone app, you can go on our webpage, download our phone app. has all our latest sermons. You can stay connected to you. I can send you messages through that. Also, I have a text message group a text message group i want to stay connected with you send you updates with the church or you could text in prayer requests uh text your full name to the number on the screen that's 562-393-7330 text your full name and we'll add you to the group and we can stay connected to that you could also text in prayer uh requests from that also want to remind you, if you know anybody who's not feeling well and they cannot be in church, we launched a 7 p.m. Sunday Zoom worship service every Sunday at 7 p.m. I'll be on there tonight. We're going to worship, and I'll be teaching the same lesson that I taught right now. So if you know anybody who's sick that still needs to worship and be a part of the church, uh, there are options. You know God loves you when he gives you options. Amen? So uh, we're going to pray over the offering, and then we're going to collect the offering, and then I'm going to come back and dismiss uh, with a uh, blessing. So let's pray over the offering. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this offering, Lord God. Uh, we give out of gratitude today because you've been good to us. Receive this offering for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give unto the Lord.
Before we dismiss with a blessing, we want to wish one of the mothers of the church happy birthday. Miss Barbara Jackson, stand up, Miss Barbara. Stand up, Miss Barbara. It's her birthday today. Let's give the Lord a hand, praise. One of the dear, precious mothers of our church. We love you, Miss Barbara. You are a gift to us. In fact, let's lift up our hands toward her and pray a birthday blessing over Miss Barbara. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father God, for Miss Barbara, Lord. We thank you that she's just a gift to us for multiple years, Father God. She's a faithful servant unto the house of the Lord. And your word says that you will not forget our service, but reward us, Lord God. And we ask for just an extra blessing upon her life, Father God. Extra blessing of physical strength, spiritual strength, and even financial strength, Lord God. We pray that you bless her abundantly this year in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone says, amen. amen. We love you, Miss Barbara. Let's stand to our feet as we dismiss with a blessing from the Lord. I want to call up our pastors and leaders to the altar. If you need extra prayer or you need somebody to talk to after we dismiss, some of our leaders and pastors will be at the altar. You're welcome to come up and we will pray or talk with you. It is our tradition to close out with a blessing. So if you'll lift up your hands unto the Lord, we'll dismiss with a blessing. In the name of the Father who loves you with an endless love, in the name of the Son who died that you could live, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who empowers you with protection and blessing, may you go this week in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Go in peace. Hope to see you Thursday night.